Welcome to the Journey Church Podcast, where as a church, we believe that Jesus should be accessible to anyone. So if you're at home, work, or somewhere in between, you can have access to the weekend worship experience. We'd love for you to stay connected with us by visiting us at journeyorl.com or any social media platform using at journeyorl. Thanks for being with us, and we really hope you enjoy this message. Still tons miracles. Don't stop praying for the impossible. Don't stop believing that God can do something supernatural in your life. Do you believe, Journey Church? Say amen. 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 Well, today's message on miracles is uh, pretty simple, pretty cut to the chase. I, I, I try to name every sermon in a way where you'll know just by looking at the title. I think about our podcast listeners or those who are watching on YouTube right now. What could they see that would make them want to click or listen? Or if you're sitting there today, how do you know that today's message is for you? Not your neighbor, but you. And a lot of that has to do with the way I just title a message. And so today I'm going to show you the title of the message on the screen, you tell me if you need it or not. Is there anybody in Journey Church today who needs a miracle? Anybody who needs a miracle online, put it in the chat, little hand emoji, I need a miracle. If you need a miracle today, I want to try and teach you how to get your miracle. I thought, what if a miracle was like a meal? What would be the recipe? What would be the ingredients? Is there some type of magical formula that if you did steps one, two, and three, God would respond in exactly the way you wanted him to with 100% certainty? I don't, I don't think so. But I do think if you study miracles from the beginning of your Bible to the end, you will find common threads throughout the Bible that make miracles possible. An environment that you can create and set in your life and in your heart for God to do the impossible. Today's message is I need a miracle. And I want to answer the question, what do you need to see a miracle? And the first thing you and I need, if we want to see miracles in my life, if I need a miracle, the first thing I need is, ready? I need a need. Somebody say, I need a need. I've learned that if you want to see God move in your life, you can't want a miracle. You need to need a miracle. You got to need it. God has performed many miraculous uh, things throughout and acts of God throughout the history of Israel. In Egypt, he did the 10 plagues and he did the Red Sea when they were in the desert. He sent manna from heaven. When they went into the promised land, he stopped the sun. He brought the walls down. Miracle after miracle. There's only one brief history, historic period of time uh, in the history of the Israelites and their political history where we see God not moving in a supernatural way. And funnily enough, it's actually in the political time known as the United Kingdom, which I will save you all of the history lessons, but I will tell you, in summary, it was the the 80 years of their history where things were going great. It was the golden era where the economy was flourishing and everyone was healthy and everyone was serving God. In that brief 80-year span of time, we don't see God do any supernatural miracles. Here's why, because it was the only time in their existence where they didn't need it. Are you with me? If you don't need it, then God's not going to provide it. The Bible says in Philippians chapter 4, verse 19, and my God will supply every need of yours according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. Crazy thing is, right after the United Kingdom, the kingdom falls apart. And as soon as the kingdom falls apart, two people enter the Bible narrative for the first time. One named Elijah and the other named Elisha. 
Those two together perform more miracles in the Bible than anybody not named Jesus. So the moment things started to fall apart, boom, God was there supernaturally again. Here's my point. Life is full of ups and downs. And I have seen many people, when life is down on them, walk away from God and leave God because of a tragedy or an unexpected loss. And I have seen that. But I have seen more people leave God in the season of their ups than I have seen leave God in the season of their downs. Because when they finally start making money, when they finally get off food stamps, they start to think they can do it by themselves. More people have walked away from God. I would say that his blessings can be more dangerous than his burdens. If we're not careful, we think we got this and then we don't need him anymore. And so listen, I've got a heads up for those who are living in the up. And my heads up is if you're doing well today, if you own your home and your job is fun, if your relationships are strong and your health is good, heads up, don't think you got there by yourself. Give God praise because God is, do not treat him like your fire extinguisher. We all have a fire extinguisher in our home. If you have a fire extinguisher in your home, say amen. amen. Some of you said amen, but you're not sure. <laughs> You said amen because you know that legally we're all supposed to have a fire extinguisher in our home and you know you've seen it somewhere at some point at some time and the only problem with see you don't engage with your fire extinguisher very often and now that's that's okay but what happens when the fire comes because you don't engage with it often when the fire comes in the moment that you need it you won't know where to find it be careful if you only engage with God when you need him because if you only engage with him when you need him and you don't need him often, then when you need him, you won't be able to find him. And it won't be that he left you. It's, it would be where he was always been where he's been, but you forgot where he was. God is not like your fire extinguisher. God is like your fridge. Amen. Not a day goes by in your life when you don't open your fridge. Multiple times in the day. In the morning, you open your fridge. In the afternoon, you open your fridge. In the evening, you open your fridge. God help you, some of y'all, at three in the morning, open your fridge. Amen. God is like your friend. I need him in the morning. Mm. I need him in the afternoon. I need him in the evening. I need him at 3 a.m. Because in him, I find the sustenance to live and to breathe. In him, I move. He is the bread of life, the Bible says. Don't treat him like a fire extinguisher. When the fire comes, you won't know where he is. Good news, though, if you're someone in need today, got good news for you. Better news than for the heads up people. My wife and I were at the doctor yesterday only to be reminded of something we already knew our health insurance sucks <laughs> to be fair most health insurance sucks you pay all this money and then you go to the doctors and the one thing you got they don't cover you're like man how in the world I spent so much and then you got this other thing called a copay I can't wait for y'all teenagers. Well, I guess you're all up there, but can't wait for y'all to see what a copay is. <laughs> my goodness, insurance doesn't cover what you think it covers. There was only one time in my life when I had the very best insurance ever, very best insurance ever, and it was when Liz and I were living on food stamps. Because <laughs> we had that government insurance. You ever had that government insurance? Uncle Sam got deep pocket. They don't ask Uncle Sam questions. You show the little government card, they go, what you need? A kidney, a heart, we got you. Just pay for parking, you in. That's it. 
I remember one day we went to go to the hospital and it was now I had started making some money. It was, I told you I was a pastor for a year without any kind of income. This was a step of faith and that's why we were able to, thank God that we live in this country that we live in that's able to help us build things and get on our feet. But once we started making money, I went into the hospital, I tried to use my card for my health insurance and they said, sorry, it's not working. I said, well, what do you mean? They said, I don't know, you're gonna have to call your provider. So we called the government. <laughs> I said, hey man. <laughs> Appreciate everything you do, <laughs> but um, this thing ain't working. We need you to get on <laughs> this government stuff. They said, I had done my taxes. They said, well, actually, according to your latest tax return, you no longer qualify for assistance. I had more when I had less. Because when I had less, I could get the assistance of the one who had the most. But the moment I had enough to do it on my own, the assistance, that, which is why I got good news, because if you are watching this message from a hospital room today, you qualify for assistance. If you're a single mom trying to raise two kids, working three jobs, I got good news to you today. You qualify for assistance. If you are a business leader in the room and you feel like you don't have the wisdom to make this next big decision that is going to determine the trajectory of your company, your career, and your family, and your legacy, I got good news for you. You qualify for assistance. If someone you love just told you something you didn't know and now your heart is in a thousand pieces, I got good news for you. You qualify for assistance. Anybody who finds yourself in need today. Why don't you give God three seconds of praise because you have put yourself in a position where his supernatural power can come in and do what you can do. I need a need. Here's the other thing I need. If I need a miracle, I need to ask. James chapter four, verse two. You don't have what you want because you don't ask God for it. I like the way the King James put it better. This is probably the way you probably know this verse better. You have not because you ask not. Sometimes maybe we don't ask because we think it's too small. I don't want to bother God with that. Maybe it's like a vacation that you've been wanting to take your family on. Maybe you want to take your wife to the top of the Eiffel Tower or you want your family to see what snow is, you know, or what winter is, you know, and you want to go somewhere and you think, oh, I don't want to bother God with that. That's so, he's got people to feed in, in Ethiopia and I don't want to be on his time. And let me just tell you something. I'm afraid that I'm raising kids like that because I tell my kids, don't you be knocking on my door in the middle of the night unless in an emergency. You used to come knocking when they were younger, talking about I have a nightmare. We all have nightmares. Get over it. <laughs> I said, you come and knock on my door if it's an emergency. They said, it wasn't an emergency, Dad. I gave them a very clear definition. I said, if a part of your body that's supposed to be in your body <laughs> is out of your body, that's an emergency. <laughs> That's okay. <laughs> so they were, and that's it. But I don't, listen, God's a better father than me. Are you ready? I want you to know this. If it matters to you, it matters to God. It, nothing's too small for him. Well, what if, maybe you don't pray because you think it's too big for him. Big. <laughs> if that's you, remember this. Big is relative. Big is relative. A French fry is ginormous to an ant. Ginormous, 20 times its size. Ginormous, I'm about the Burger King fries. 20 times its size, or the Wendy's orange, everyone's the long ones. 20 times its size, but you hold French fries in your hand. Big is relative. You know how big the earth is? Pretty big. 
This is a pretty big building, and this building is only a fraction of this county, which is a fraction of the city, which is a fraction of this state, which is a fraction of this country, which is a fraction of this continent, which is a fraction of this world. This world is big, but do you know how many Earths fit in the sun? As big as the Earth is, imagine if I said two Earths could fit in the sun. That'd be big. Or if I said four Earths could fit in the sun, that'd be big. Astrophysicists estimate that literally one million Earths can fit in the sun. And God holds the universe in his hands. <sighs> big is relative. I was brushing my teeth uh, last Sunday getting ready for church with my wife. And she said, how much money do we need for the building again? I said, well, I with the down payment and about four million altogether. She said, what? She said, last year in Legacy Sunday, you said it was 1.2 something. I said, that was last year. <laughs> that was before we spoke to the owner and he, and he gave us the number and all that. She goes, well, 1.2 is a big, 1.2 and 4 is a big difference. I said, not to God. <laughs> it's all peanuts. To God. Do you know that? Hear me. To God, cancer and a cold are the same thing. Now, that might offend somebody who lost someone to cancer in their life. I lost that person too. I'm just telling you, God didn't heal him because he wasn't able. He's got the power and the ability, much like the story we heard, if he didn't do it, it was because he had something better for you and for me. So I need to ask, and I need to ask with pure motives. James 4.3, when you ask, you don't get it because your motives are all wrong. You want only what will give you pleasure only what will give you pleasure. You want wealth? You want to be financially blessed? Amen. I hope you do get blessed. There's this theory in church today that God doesn't want people to be blessed. I don't think so. I think he wants you to be blessed. Here's my only question. Why? For what purpose and to what end? Why do you want the money? So you can buy nice things, you can go on vacation. If the only reason you want God to do something in your life is to serve you, I don't think that's a prayer that God's going to answer. But if you can present your prayer to God selflessly, honestly, because he knows your heart, I'm proud to say, and not bragging, not in an arrogant way, but I think I need to lead the way as a pastor. My family and I give, we live off of 80% and we tithe 20%. We give to the church and we give above and beyond to people who are in need. And I don't do that to brag. I do that to like, I just want to be an example for you. I, be, I want, it wasn't always like that. When I was living on food stamps, your boy needed all the percents. <laughs> I still tithe. But I didn't go much more over 10. It was, that was all I could do at that moment. But as God continued blessing me, I just told him, everything you give me, God, just consider me a vessel. Anything you give me is going to come right out back into the people who need it. I promise you that. I was with Justice just yesterday, Justice and Zane, just yesterday. We opened up our Push Pay app on the Journey app, and we tithed. Justice tithed his allowance. It was $1.48. You think we're going to buy this building with $1.48? No, but it wasn't about the building. It wasn't about what I could get. I was trying to instill in him a principle that I know is going to carry him throughout the rest of his life. And it doesn't just work with possessions. It works with people too. This week, my family and I lost the matriarch of our family, my grandmother. She passed away at 84. And for three years, she's been up and down in her health. And I tell you the truth, our prayers have kept that woman alive. She did like three Lazaruses. <laughs> You want to know how much God healed her? She recovered from COVID twice. She got all the variants. All of them. Whatever they came out, she got all of them. 
And every time when she was on a respirator, my mother, who's the greatest prayer warrior I know, my family would come around her hospital bed, lay hands on her, get oil, and within weeks, she'd be up on her feet. I've seen her healed miraculously multiple times. But this time around, when I was in her bed and hospice was there, and the oil was out, and I laid my hands on my grandma, it was a different prayer this time. It wasn't God heal her. It was God, whatever moment she has left here, Lord, I pray that they would be peaceful, that they would be pain-free, and that you would give her what she wants because she wants to go home. And you think, well, pastor, what happened to your faith? I, I still believe God can do it. I just have to stop being selfish. This woman, her husband died almost 40 years ago, and she never remarried because she had 16 grandchildren and 10 kids. For her, her whole life would be dedicated to raising us. You know what? I've been selfish for, for almost 40 years. I think it's time. An unselfish prayer. You know what she wants to be? As much as she loves us, she raised us already. She got three great, great grandchildren. She tired. <laughs> I think she wants to be with her husband. I think she wants to be with Jesus, who she gave her entire life to. It would have been selfish for us to pray, stay, when the selfless thing would have been, if you can go home now. Thank you for doing, thank you for fulfilling your mission. This church wouldn't be here if it wasn't for you. Thank you for fulfilling your mission on earth. You gotta have a selfless prayer. I need to ask. I also need to ask what prayer motives us. I need to ask according to God's will. According to God's will. 1 John 5, 14. This is the confidence we have in approaching God. That if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. Do you know the one time God told Jesus no? That's a big deal. Did anybody ever tell you that Jesus once prayed something and God said no to him? Luke chapter 22, verse 42. Father, if it is your will, take this cup away from me. Pause right there. He's talking about the cross. He's talking about Calvary. It's the night before he's about to get beaten, stripped, naked, hung up on the cross, and he's saying, God, I know what's about to happen, and if there's any other way I can save the world, can we talk about it? Come on, can I, is there anything else that I can do? Because I don't want the nails in my hand. I don't want the crowns and thorns in my head. I'm in a human body right now. This is painful. I don't want to die. Is there anything I can do? And almost the moment he asks the prayer, I feel like the Holy Spirit convicted him and said, not Jesus. This is why you came. And so right after he says that, the very next thing he goes, yet I want your will to be done, not mine. Because I know that the thing I want is not the best thing for me. And it's not the best thing for others. What I want is what you want. Listen, you want what God wants because God only always wants what's best for you. When you say, Lord, let your will be done in my life, it's not like, fine, you're in charge. No, it's like, I trust that you know what's best and I only want what you want because you want what's best. So whatever you want to do, I'm down, I'm in. Have your will, Lord. Zane wanted to walk the dogs uh, outside yesterday with no jacket on. Well, if you're not in Florida, it's cold here right now. To be fair, that means 50. <laughs> Which for some of y'all watching online, that's like your summer or your spring. But for us, the jackets come out, police come out, it's a thing. And I told him, I said, man, you're not leaving this, this house without your jacket. He said, why not? I said, you'll get sick. He said, why can't you just let me make my mistakes? Just let me go out there. And if I get sick, I get sick. At least I'll know at that point. I told him, I said, I said, son, would I be a good father if I gave you something I know would hurt you? He said, no. I'll get my jacket. God's a good father. 
and he will never give you something that he knows is going to hurt you. He won't. So he says, I'm going to do my will in your life because my will is what's safe. It's what's best. I need to ask. I need to ask of pure motives. I need to ask according to God's will. I need to, lastly, I need to keep asking. I need to keep asking. Luke chapter 18, verse 1 is probably my favorite. Then Jesus told his disciples a parable, a story to show them that they should always pray and not give up. Somebody say, always pray. pray. And don't give up. He said, in a certain town, there was a judge who neither feared God nor cared what people thought. And there was a widow in that town who kept coming to him with the plea, grant me justice against my adversary. For some time, the judge refused. But finally, he said to myself, he said to himself, even though I don't fear God, or care what people think, yet because this widow keeps bothering me, I will see that she gets justice. This is funny. So she won't beat me up. <laughs> so she won't eventually come and attack. So the Bible's trying to say that his motives were wrong. But the, but the woman's persistence overrode this unjust king's motives. And that's when God comes in in verse 7. So if that's how an unjust judge does business, what do you think about God? Will not God bring about justice for his chosen ones who cry out to him day and night? They keep praying. They don't stop. They don't give up. Will he keep putting them off? I tell you, he will see that they get justice and quickly. Praise the Lord. I want to tell you a story about a couple I met uh, just this why I met them for a while, but I finally got to hear their journey story last Sunday. Kim and Eddie Sosa, they've been married for quite a while, amazing couple. And I asked Kim what her journey story was, and she pointed to her husband and said, he's my journey story. I said, he invited you? And she's like, no, no, it's not like that. It's not like that. I was the wife that went to church our whole marriage by myself. I wonder if that wife is here at church today. Coming by yourself, husband don't come, stays home. Sometimes he'll watch online, sometimes he won't. Back then they didn't have online, and so he just didn't come. My whole marriage, he never came. And one day, pastor, he comes home talking about, I think I found my church. She said, well, what church is that? I didn't take you to no church. She goes, well, I started going to the kids' church, journey church. His life started to transform. His life started to change. He told me today, he says, I've got community and I've got peace. What more could you want? This is his story. And, then, and so I looked at her and I said, so that's what brought you? She goes, yeah, you don't understand. I have been praying for him to come to church with me our whole marriage. I said, well, how long have you been praying? She said, 30 years. Do you know what it's like to pray 30 years for something and God not do it? But on the 30th year, on the 3,000th prayer, the dams break and the miracle shows itself. I wonder if you got faith like that to pray even if it doesn't happen in year one, even if it doesn't happen in year two, even if it doesn't happen in year three, even if it doesn't happen in year four, even if you stay struggling with the things you've been struggling with for the last 10 years, pray on the 11th year, pray on the 12th year. But pastor, it's been 13 years, I'm still addicted. Pray on the 14th year, pray on the 15th, but I got a son or daughter that hasn't been coming. Pray on the 17th year, on the 18th year, but they say the sickness is getting worse. Pray on the 19th year, on the 20th, Year, but, 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 but it's not working. The business is failing. Pray on the 25th year, on the 27th year. I don't stop praying because God is not doing. I stop praying until I can't pray any longer. I'm going to keep praying. Here's my question. What have you stopped praying for? Keep praying. Keep praying. Keep praying. Keep praying. Keep praying. Don't quit. Don't give up. The persistent prayers break through. Even if it's year 30, God can do it. 
Here's the last thing I need if I need a miracle. I need to ask, I need a need, and I need faith. I need faith. Matthew 17, 20, there's a young person who is demon-possessed, and the father of this young person brings him to Jesus' disciples. The disciples can't get rid of the spirit, so then the father brings him to Jesus, and of course, Jesus does it. Then the disciples go up to Jesus, and they ask, Jesus, why couldn't we do it? This is Jesus' answer to them. He said, because of your little faith, for truly I say to you, if you had faith like the grain of a seed, there we go, of a seed, you could say to this mountain, move from here to there, and it will move, and nothing will be impossible for you. Do not misinterpret this scripture like I did for 20 years until I started studying it. When I first studied this scripture, I thought that Jesus was comparing faith to size. And like, you only have this much faith, and that's why God didn't answer your prayer. And if you had this much faith, then God would answer your prayer. But you know how I know Jesus wasn't talking about size? Because if he was, he wouldn't have referenced the seed, which is the smallest thing there. If he was talking about size, he would have pointed to the mountain itself and said, if you got faith the size of a mountain, you could say to the mountain, move, because your faith has to meet the size of the need. He didn't do that. He said a seed. Are you ready? He wasn't being literal. He was being ironic. He was like, bro, you keep looking at, it's a seed. It's not a lot. And also, he's being metaphorical. Only in the newer translations do you read, if you have faith as small as a seed, if you go back to the literal translation, it says, if you have faith as a seed, like a seed, oh, I hope this hits your heart like it hit my heart. The revelation will blow your mind. What he's saying is, not that you need a faith the size of a seed, but you need a faith with the nature of a seed. See, a seed has potential. But the potential does not come forth unless you plant it, unless you water it, unless you garden it, and unless you harvest it. The, the seed is nothing without the work added to it. God told me to tell you there's a difference between believing and having faith. A lot of us believe that God can do something. That's just a seed. What turns belief into faith is the planting, is the watering, is the gardening, is the harvesting. A lot of us believe, hey, my husband's gonna come to Jesus. I believe it, amen. But do you have the faith to pray 30 years for it to come to pass? 30 years. This is why in Mark 9.29, in the same story, from, told from another angle, Jesus doesn't tell them faith like a seed. He tells them, this is why I was able to cast out the devil and you weren't. Because I, this one can't come out without prayer and fasting. In other words, y'all just believed. But I had so much faith, I prayed about it. I fasted about it. I actually put in the work to make God do it. And God did it. I always believed that God would start a church in Central Florida that would change the city. Believing was fun. Believing was free. We sit around with our friends and say, Journey Church is going to be awesome. It's going to change lives. It's going to be great. Look at the logo. All that was free to dream. Believing is free. Faith is expensive. You know when it stopped being fun? When I found out how much the equipment cost and we didn't have people to tithe at the time. And so my wife and I cashed out our entire retirement account. Tens of thousands of dollars and bought cameras and brought lights and speakers for people who weren't there in a church that wasn't there. I said, 
said, babe, I think if we're going to do this, I'm going to need to get full time. She's like, you got two jobs. I'm like, I think I'm going to leave my jobs. When a year without an income, believing is free. Faith is expensive. Faith has a cost. And look what God did. The miracle you're sitting in today, not because I believed, not because Liz believed, because we had faith. Some of y'all believing for a miracle. Here's my challenge to you today. But do you have faith? What's the step that you need to take? For some people, it's calling up somebody who hurt you and letting them know that you forgive them. For others, it's that legacy offering that's coming on December 11. That's a big step of faith. For others, it's getting on a team. Well, I believe, I believe, you know, that this church can help me impact my life. Well, don't just sit in the seat anymore. Turn that belief into faith. Go through next steps. Get on a team. Join a small group. Get out to do an outreach with us. Where's your faith? Because faith has price. Every head but every eye closed. If you've got a... I always do two prayers during this series. The first is for anyone who needs a miracle. If you're in this room today and you need a miracle, on the count of three, I want you to raise your right hand high if you need a miracle. One, two, three, you need a miracle. Don't be shy. Every hand in this room should almost be raised unless you're in the up season right now. If you need a miracle, I see your hand. Thank you for just letting me know. That's a step you took. That's a step you took. You can put your hand down. Father, you see every hand that was raised. As you're in that spirit of prayer right there, would you just tell the Lord, Lord, I don't just believe you're going to do it. I got faith. What's the step now? Ask him, what's the step you need me to take? Is it to cash out the business? Is it to start a new one? Is it to, to sell this? Is it to buy that? Is it to start, start the company? Is it to make that phone call? Is it to end a relationship? Is it to start the relationship? What is my step of faith? I, I believe you called me to greater. I believe there's a miracle on the other side of this prayer, but I just, I'm tired of just believing. Believe he's not going to do it any longer, Lord. What's the step you need me to take? Is it a, is it a, is it a fast? Do you need me to go on a three-day fast? What, what are the things you're asking me to do? Because I'm ready to take a step. Faith is not a stance you take. It's a step you take. What's the step you want me to take? Show it to me. Right there. I believe the Spirit of God is just finishing to you right now. Stay in that moment. If you're in this room today, hear me, and you're far from God, you don't have a relationship with Jesus, you haven't been to church in a long time, and even when you come, it's felt very impersonal. But today, something's different. Today, there's a shift. If that's you and you believe God can change your life, I want to encourage you to convert that belief into faith by raising your hand saying, yes, Jesus, I need you in my life. I need God. I need this miracle. That's you when you're in this room and you're ready to give your life to Jesus. When I say three, I want you to shoot your right hand as high as you can. And just like Kat did in November, the opening of our Legacy Series last year, your life could be totally different a year from now. On the count of three, if you're ready to give Jesus a shot, raise your right hand high to the sky. One, two, three, all over this building. Raise your right hand high. I see that hand. I see that hand. I see the whole row over there. I see your hand up front. I see your hand in the back. I see your hand here in the front. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. You can put your hand down. Whether you raised your hand or not, everybody say this prayer out loud. Father God, I need a miracle. And today I believe you are that miracle. I want a relationship with you. I'm ready to leave my past and start this future with you in my heart. Forgive me for my sins. Today I make you my Lord and my Savior. Thank you for dying on the cross for me. I'm ready to give 
my whole life to you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. We hope you've enjoyed this message, and we would love to hear your story and how this ministry is changing your life. Please email us at amen at journeyorl.com. And if you would like to support financially, you can give online at journeyorl.com give. If you're in the area, join us on Sunday for the full experience. Have a blessed week.